We need to talk. Important conversations about faith, family, and finances. Join our team for some honest conversations. And now, to kick things off, your host, Dan. Welcome to week three of the We Need to Talk podcast. Today, we're talking about finance and we've got um, some great guests with us today. First, we've got the wonderful Olivia McDowell and she is our worship pastor here at Discovery Church. She also represents the uh, the Gen Z uh, age group. And, and so we're, we're looking forward to hearing about finance from Liv. Welcome today. Thank you. Hello. We've also got Beck and Tim Lambert. Beck is the executive pastor here at Discovery Church and um, Tim is her wonderful husband and they have mm-hmm. uh, a lot of wisdom around the area of finance and they're also mm-hmm. going to be running a panel uh, on the 9th of October, uh, sorry, running a session on the 9th of October um, called... Uh, financial Health Check, I think we've called it. That's it. Yep. Yeah, so cool. it's the one with the, the pink background, if you've seen the graphics around and we'd love you to uh, to sign up and get involved in that. So welcome, guys. Thank Hello. you. Hello. <laughs> uh, so the reason behind having these podcasts is um, to have a bit of uh, fun, have a bit of a chat and um, yeah, just really talk through some some big topics. So uh, that's why we're here today. Um, firstly, just wanted to do a quick shout out to Jeff and to Chelsea. Jeff is our production manager here and he put together that wonderful intro that you just heard on the podcast. <laughs> and Chelsea um, has been putting together our videos and also to Sam who's doing our audio today. So thanks to those guys for making this happen. Thanks, guys. So if you guys were to see $2 on the ground, what would you do? (laughs) I'd I'd straight up just pick it up and take it. Just take it? I'd take it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it depends. (laughs) I like, am I in a room full of people? Then probably not. If I'm by myself, yeah, totally. Oh, that's a good point. I'd be looking around first to see if someone's actually dropped it, but if it's clear that it's not accounted for, it's it's fair game, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't reckon I'd get a chance to get to it because if our middle son is around, he's, he's a magnet for money, he will just dive on anything he sees. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's like yeah. left on the counter or something, it's it's gone, it's all his. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I recently found a dollar at a park and um, I said to my son, I was like, hey, Jude, come over here, look, there's something on the ground. So I'll let him, him find it. He's... He thought he found it, which was great. Um, What about $10? That's probably when I'd start to look around and wonder if someone had Mm. dropped it out of their pocket or something like that. Yeah, Yeah. definitely look around. (laughs) On um, on Sunday, Matt um, preached... Uh, the message on finance and um, he started off his sermon talking about his first job. Uh, what were your first jobs, Tim? Yeah, so my, look, I had several, I suppose, in some ways did some farming sort of stuff locally, but my first sort of main job that I had was as a pie boy at the MCG. So, you know, hot pies, cold drinks, chocolate bars, ice creams, got to sell them at the MCG, went to several <laughs> grand finals wow. that way, which was pretty cool. And one highlight there too was actually I got to see Michael Jackson live even so a couple of times, which was pretty cool. Right. Wow. You can just not see him being a pie boy at all, can you? It just does not <laughs> yeah. fit at all, does it? <laughs> <laughs> that big voice was very helpful yes. for so being a pie boy. Commissioned pie boy too, actually. So we got oh. paid based on how much we sold. Wow. Awesome. Did you have to sell footy records too or just pie? Would have loved to have sold the footy records. Yeah. They're very light and they were two bucks each, I think, even back then. So yeah. you didn't have to sell too many to make some okay money. <laughs> but no, they were, very, so they were very separate and very territorial, actually, the way they were structured. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. How about you That's guys? Or. So 
I think technically my first job, my parents used to own a cafe. We used to have a Jamaica Blue at Forest Hill. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah right in front of Target. Um, it Yeah, so that was technically my first job. Like I'd work there on the weekends with my parents. Um, but then once I was, I think it was like 14 and nine months you had to be. Um, again, I worked at another Jamaica Blue. <laughs> <laughs> But my parents had sold their cafe yeah. by that time. But I worked at another Jamaica Blue at that point. I've actually always had three jobs going at one time. Wow. Like ever since I started working. So I had that job, worked at a childcare center as well. And then I can't remember what my third job was. I think I was cleaning. Yeah. Cool. I always did three. Well, I I was there at Forest Hill as well. That was oh, my really? first job, not Yay. at Jamaica Blue. I... <laughs> Worked. You, you might need to be old enough to know. So, Liv, you may not um, yep. recognise these. But I used to work at Jazzy's. Do you remember Jazzy's? Oh, yeah. The pick and mix stores yep. outside the the cinemas. Yeah. And my friends were really jealous of the job because you got to eat as many lollies as you wanted <laughs> throughout a shift. As long as you were doing your job and serving the customers, you could just go along and do your own little pick and mix for as much as as, as long as you wanted. But it was a funny thing because there was just free access to it you kind of didn't want it it just yeah you sort of be like oh yeah it's It's gonna be their next shift so you know whatever yeah (laughs) oh wow so uh over the past week we've done um, a bunch of instagram polls um, around the different topics in the we know we need to talk series and um one of the ones we did last week was where did you learn about finances we've had uh, the responses with google school friend or family or financial advisor and uh, friend or family came out um, very much on top with 75% of people, which was um, very yeah interesting that um, yeah people are learning uh, mm. learning that through obviously growing up in their family and um, yeah and through their mm. friends. Whereabouts where about did you guys learn about finances? Do you want me to go first? Go uh, sure. <laughs> Look, it varied. A lot of mine was self-taught early on. I picked up whatever books I could. I remember picking up a book called The Richest Man in Babylon when I was... I must have been about 12 or 13 that my dad had had sitting somewhere. And so I read through that uh, right cover to cover and just lapped up every bit of information in that. There were several other authors that I read over time as I got older. Uh, And then I actually found someone who came along to our church and was quite involved in the finance space there and particularly focusing on shares. And I spent a fair bit of time just sitting with him, much older guy actually. And I'd go and meet up with him semi-regularly, sort of maybe once a month, and uh, just ask him a heap of questions and sponged as much as I could off him. So a bit of both, a bit of, you know, self-taught and also uh, jumping on and meeting someone and talking to them about it. Yeah. Didn't jump mm. on him, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but you, you sought out people to... You sought out the right people to, right. Um, yeah, to learn from. That's great. And um, the other question uh, on on Instagram was, have you ever done a budget? And um, yeah, it looks like 87% of people have done a budget. Some mm-hmm. people find it really hard and some people really love it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, any responses to, to that? Have, have you guys done budgets? Um, obviously, Beck, you've, you've taught a lot about budgets within, mm-hmm. um, within our staff team. Um, but yeah, what, what are your opinions on budgets and thoughts? Oh, I have done... I couldn't keep track of the number of budgets I've done in my life. Like that's Even from um, really young, I remember doing budgets in my little notebook when I was like 
probably had my first job and just had a little bit of income. So I had my little budget going even from that really young age. So mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of budgets and um, also the not set and forget budgets too because some people like – I'd be interested to know out of that 87% of people who did a budget, did they just do one and then they never <laughs> thought about mm. it again or did they look at it every year or every six months or mm. that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I'm a big big fan of the old budget because, um, yeah, for me it's been a, a, a huge tool in my life and in our life and, um, yeah – Love them. Mm. That's good. How about you, Liv? Have you ever done a budget? I have. I think I, when I first started working as well, my parents sat me down and we made up a budget together. Um, but that very quickly dropped off mm. at that age. And then um, when I moved out again, my cousin, actually, who's like also a few years older than me, um, we it was during lockdown. She like Zoom called me and was and sat me down and did like this big um, like yearly budget for me and then we went through a monthly one as well, which that's was cool. awesome. And that's, that's awesome. been something that I still carry on now, um, less so than then because I'm back home with my parents, but I'm moving out again, so it'll be really So is that just on, on paper or is this a, yeah. an app or something? Just on paper. She gave me an app as well. I can't remember what it was called, but I stopped using that because – it was like a subscription one and yeah. I just didn't find it that helpful. Like I I love having like the spreadsheet in front of me so I can visually see it because then I remember it as well. Mm. Um, but yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Mm. Uh, so on Sunday, Matt uh, preached uh, in the morning and at night and at, at night he, he was joined by Tim and Beck in a panel. But um, in the morning, if you um, if you missed that one, you can jump on the uh, the podcast and uh, listen to that now. Just, just hit pause, go and listen to that and come back to this uh, podcast if you like the title of the message was do you need more money uh, it was a very provocative question um, and it was a, gu- a guide to financial discipleship um, he talked about when we when we talk about money we're talking about power and how money can be units of power um, learning to follow Je- learning to follow jesus with our money is just as important as learning to follow jesus with any any area of our life um, mm-hmm. He also looked into some great proverbs. Uh, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. And one who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and one who gives gifts to the rich both come to poverty. Uh, He talked about wealth is morally morally neutral and it's what you do with it that matters. Uh, he landed on some some key points that were money is a servant and sharing is happiness. So um, thinking about that, um, we'll, we'll jump into some questions now. Uh, over the past 12 months, uh, the cost of living in Australia and across the world has, has gone up dramatically. In Australia, it's gone up by 6.1%. Um, and some areas that we've been hardest hit are like the supermarket and, you know, in fuel mm, and yeah. amongst other things. Um it's, in general, it feels like life's become a lot more expensive, and and there's a you know there's a whole bunch of uh, life's become very subscription based, and there's a whole bunch of regular expenses that we're we're all faced with. Uh, Liv, as a Gen Z, mm-hmm. how does it feel in these times when you've just come into the into the workforce in the past you know five or so years, mm-hmm. uh, starting to now sort of earn more money like a lot of your your age group would be having their full-time having a full-time wage for the first time Mm. how does it feel 
entering this space at a time when the cost of living has just gone gone mm. straight up yeah it's definitely like the first thing that comes into my mind is that it is pretty overwhelming like just getting used to working full-time hours having to manage a full-time wage thinking about like yeah potentially renting or mm. um putting down a deposit or like those sorts of things it's it's pretty overwhelming and like there are I think a lot of negative voices too in in the media like on the news um even sometimes within like friendship groups as well people that are like oh we're never going to be able to afford housing and that sort of thing which I mean yeah it's good to be realistic in in one sense and and know where like the market is heading and um yeah understand what is realistic but I think the more that I think and pray on it I just feel a lot of peace with just being faithful with what I've got and like just starting with the yeah what's in my hands it's good Mm. yeah so good so Beck and Tim what would you say um are some ways that you've changed in your habits in the past 12 months (laughs) because of this cost of living yeah we we were sort of joking the other day that um I think sometimes it can get a, a bit out of touch with how much things cost too, especially if I had, haven't had to buy them for a while. And so we're like, are we like the, the grandma who puts the 20 bucks in the card every year and <laughs> you just keep getting 20 bucks for like 20 years and that's just, you know, it yeah. continues on because it's still 20 bucks, right? But no, we so we were just like, are we getting out of touch? But um, definitely have felt the pressure in the supermarket and and fuel prices and things like that that's probably where we've noticed it uh the to go back to our point about the budgeting uh what i would say to anyone when they're doing a budget is that you always want to factor in some margin and some emergency expenses right Mm. so i've always done that in budgeting so i'm never i'm never right down to the last dollar so that if things do go up that that my budget's kind of useless at that point. So I've always got, we've always got margin factored in to our budget. So in that sense, we're probably, we're probably okay. What I would say is that uh, we probably, when we're feeling the pinch is that we look at our, our luxury items. Um, You know, you've got things, everybody these days, it seems has like a, a subscription to, to Netflix, to Spotify, to, Disney to Apple there's all those things and just like literally looking at those Mm. kind of luxury items in your life and you can you quickly see how much those Mm. things add up you just got to be a bit more discerning I Mm. think and when Mm. times are a bit tougher and you got to um, tighten your belt a little bit that's what I'd say yeah Mm. I'd say the other major impact is when you're looking at things like interest rates going up too Mm. so uh, one of our bigger expenses is our mortgage. And so if if interest rates are going up, that actually has an impact on that too. And so reviewing those things and considering mm. refinancing, all those sorts of things come into to play too, um, albeit you want to make sure that everything's manageable in the process. But Yeah, yeah we're, we're literally about to look at refinancing our mortgage in a month's time. So that's going to be a real-life example for us mm. very soon. Yeah. yeah. So... Beck, what would you say are the main contributors to financial stress, um, anxiety, um, and among people of faith particularly? 
Yeah, I think uh, I don't think it's that different for people of faith to anyone else. I think people struggle with debt. They get in over their heads potentially with credit cards with ridiculous interest mm. rates attached to them. That's a huge contributor. Um, people don't do a budget and so therefore they just don't know what they're spending on. They just spend without thinking and that can really contribute to a sense of stress and never having enough. I'm always shocked. I've always been shocked um, how many people are just hanging out for payday Mm. often. Mm. Um, I worked my first um, sort of grown-up job was in the construction industry and uh, those guys, if you didn't give them their payback, like right on the moment, they were on the phone to you. And I was always, that always took me aback that um, how close to the line people um, often live. So I think, yeah, debt and, and living beyond your means is a big one. I think comparison is a massive one in our society. And I don't think Christians are exempt from that. I think, you know, we've got uh, call as Christians to live with contentment and to uh, not go after material things in our life, but we do uh, still fall into the trap of comparing ourselves to the the friendship circle, to the the family, mm. to the neighbours. You know, it's bigger, bigger cars, boats, caravans, better houses, all the things that you mm. can get caught up with. Better mm. shoes, Dan. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have shoes like Dan. <laughs> well, as and as Matt said on Sunday, actually the Joneses are broke, right? Yeah. <laughs> and as Beck said, there, you know, ultimately people are comparing. Mm. They're not. There's there's always going to be people who have got more than you, right? So yeah. you're always get if you if you're not careful, you can just get into that more monster mm. trap. I think and that's yeah. a big thing. That's mm. it. Nothing ever satisfies either. That that new pair of shoes never satisfies. <laughs> So why do you think, Tim, why do you think um, thinking ahead is important for financial health? Yeah, look, thinking ahead makes uh, makes a big difference in terms of if you are looking forward and make decisions now that will impact your future self, uh, that's Mm. going to obviously have a big impact down the track because choices made early on in particular uh, do end up benefiting from that power of compound interest over the long term. And time is ultimately Mm. the biggest beneficiary in that space. Mm. So, uh, for example, if someone, say a 20-year-old, for example, were to look at putting an amount away regularly until they were age 40 and then were to stop, if they were to then leave that until they were 60, compare that to, say, a 40-year-old who starts at 40 and does, say, even four times the amount, they're still not going to have the same amount as what that 20-year-old's mm. going to have. So preparation ahead of time can make a big difference and consistency can be a big key there too. Mm. So. That's good. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, I was, just, I was actually going to touch on that anyway. Um, for Gen Z, you know, jumping into full-time jobs for the first time, what's, what, what's the best way to, to actually think about it? Now, what, what would a practical thing be for, for saving? Like what... What's something that um, someone who's just turned, you know, 23, they've just come out of uni and jumped into their first full-time job, like you're talking there about compound interest, what's a practical thing that they could actually do now? Yeah, sure. And to be careful not to give financial advice yeah, in the true. process here. But <laughs> but look, consistency, as I said, is yep. key. So I, th- I think paying yourself first, though, the concept mm-hmm. of actually having money deducted straight out of your pay, budgeting is, is an important thing to do. But ultimately, we often will spend what we can see. 
So if you actually have money automatically deducted, um, depending on how you're choosing to save that, you might choose to use super if you're wanting to use that for certain purposes, but you might also choose to just actually having a savings account where you're building a buffer, but actually having a place for that money to go that isn't necessarily visible or planned for your actual expenditure is a really good way to actually start saving early on. Yeah, I love that about the visibility. It's such a yeah mm. a key thing. So mm. yeah, that's, that's a great point. Um, so the prospect of buying a house um, at the moment for Gen Z and, and even millennials um, has has become so far out of reach. How do, how do you reckon that feels for you and your peers live at mm. the moment? Like you touched on a little bit before, mm. um, but the idea of one day owning a house. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, honestly, it does feel a little bit out of reach at this point. Like it's, um, and I don't know, I don't know a lot about, finance either and like compound interest and all all of that stuff so Mm. i think that's that whole world of finance is still very new to me and might be very new to a lot of people my age too um yeah i think just with a lot of the the voices around the world around this stuff like it definitely feels like it's um it is a little bit out of reach if like especially if we're not preparing now Mm. which it like it's a really hard thing to to balance wanting to save for a house when there's also things like travel and like mm. experiences that you want to have in your 20s that yeah. it, like we're told this is the time to be you know <laughs> making those memories and mm. um so it's a little bit difficult like and i find myself in that struggle as well of being like i i want to prepare myself for a family one day and having a home but i also want to live my 20s and do i need to sacrifice one for the other like that's probably the the struggle at the moment yeah yeah and then you've got the layer of the whole you know you've got a faith and you've and there's discipleship and all that involved so Mm. beck what would you say to um to the the gen z's the 21 year olds um about discipleship and money and how how they work together Mm. yeah we talked a bit about this on sunday night on the panel and it's going to sound like a really, really simple thing and, and, and I, I know that it doesn't necessarily get to the heart of everything, say, that you've just expressed their live to, but I think the, the generosity factor, learning, learning generosity when you're young mm. is just a game changer for your life. Um, the, I'm a huge believer and proponent of tithing. I, already, I always have. Um, that was just an easy thing for me because um, I did learn it young and so the first 10% of my income ever since I literally earned income went back to the church Mm. and that just did something in me to uh, grow me, to make me a more generous person I think, to um, remind me that it's not mine anyway that Mm. I'm just a steward and so I guess the reason I say why would I say that to the 21 year olds um, is that these things are so much easier to learn when you're young Uh, if you are waiting to be generous um, or to tithe when you are older it it won't come like 90% Mm. of the time it won't come because you can always say oh I'm saving, I'm saving for a house deposit. So once I've saved for that, then I'll start to tithe or mm. um, I want to go on a big European holiday mm. before um, 
I turn 30 and once I do that then I'll um then I'll start to tithe there'll always be something and so I would just say learn the the skill and discipleship of tithing and generosity early and also again just and I'm gonna sound like I'm repeating myself sorry just to uh I guess get across the comparison game early in in your life and refuse to buy into that for you and learn as you know Paul says I've learned to be content in whatever situation I'm in and Mm -hmm. that's powerful not only for your finances right Mm -hmm. but for everything in your life for Mm -hmm. you know I want to be married and I'm not married but learning contentment Mm -hmm. in the midst I want a baby and it's not happening learning to be content um yeah, or, or so many things that that can be applied to. But in in this instance, I'd say contentment in your finances is a is a game changer for your discipleship. I'd mm, say. Yeah, and that and that comes back to the you know the title of the message. You know, do I need more money? And you know, if, if you actually ask yourself that, and, and you can realise you can be content in it, it's so important. Mm. Yeah, your point about giving is um, that's a great one. And so many times I've seen like quotes online and people's comments and things saying, oh, "I wish I was rich so I could be more generous." Mm. And you just it's just really backwards. And yeah. you you mm. think you know if it's if it's going to take getting rich to be generous, it's you know you've got you haven't quite figured it out yet. Yeah. Um, jumping down to or jumping to you as a, a parent, Tim, and and of you know younger kids, so not um, not so much um, kids who are like who are now work in the workforce or anything but kids who are um you know in their primary and high school what what are things you can be teaching them at this time like what are, what are things for you know us as parents like or for those as parents who are listening um what what are some things that we can be teaching them yeah look i think first of all it's worthwhile saying that some of these concepts are actually more caught than taught too. So what we actually demonstrate in how we do things, how we spend our money, what we choose to prioritize and those sorts of things are are a key thing to to keep in mind. I have conversations with our kids about money a fair bit. I'm certainly not scared to discuss that even at the dinner table and everything else. I get a few eye rolls every now and again when I try to talk about things. They, they all have a good idea as to, as to what compound interest is, for example. It is one of my favourite topics. So getting their heads around that is, is something that they do have a bit of an understanding of. I think understanding that time piece is a, is a big one though so that the earlier you start saving the better Uh, but also the contentment piece that Beck was talking about and even uh, to use an economic term in terms of opportunity cost which is just recognizing that if you choose this you can't choose this so Mm. taking even a holiday as an example there choosing a choosing to go into debt for example to go on a really good holiday will actually prevent certain other things down the track or even just choosing to spend on it there's there's things like that to consider there too so we will i I certainly have conversations with my kids our our kids are different though too right so we try to talk to them Mm. where they're at our eldest one is just super keen on cars right now he'd buy every car that he has in his garage on need for speed right now and it'd be worth a small fortune right (laughs) if he could do that so trying to rein some of that in with him and at the same time still being able to give him things as he as he needs them we look at doing that Our, our middle child on the other hand saves 
most of what he gets. He's the same one that Beck said to pick up the $2 coin straight away and none of us would ever get to it. <laughs> but he's also got a real thirst for knowledge around this space mm. too. So I spend quite a bit of time with him uh, playing various games. We play Monopoly. We play uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poured Out occasionally, um, the cash flow game that he's put together, things like that. Um, mm. Ultimately, it depends on the child though and how much they want to engage with it too. Mm. I think just to interject too, one of um, one of our little sayings that we drive our kids crazy with, and they're not there yet. But um, um, Tim says, "Drive the cheapest car your ego can afford," and I think that's yeah. a really worthwhile one, not just for our kids, but anybody listening. Right? It's for us too. Yeah, absolutely. Your, your car is a ten-year-old. Uh, 10-year-old Mazda sitting there at the moment and oh, each time I, I get it. tempted to try to upgrade it, I remind myself the thing's only done 140,000 kilometres and Beck's lucky if she does 10,000 k's a year, so we can probably still keep it for another five years even. So good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. And it. it's so important to um, just to be modelling um, good habits around money, as you said, um, with our kids. So, yeah, that's, that's a really important point that you mentioned there about it's what we do, not, not so much what we say. So that's great. So, uh, Beck, would you say, is, is there a Bible verse or a, um, a proverb that's a cornerstone for you guys um, you know, in your financial world and mm. how it relates to discipleship? Yeah, we've got a, we've got a couple. There's um, Psalm 112, which is a beautiful psalm, which I won't read all of it out to you now because it's, it's reasonably long. But um, they're probably the one that we have most frequently and recently quoted to each other um, is from Proverbs eleven twenty four in the message version. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And so that just constantly keeps the concept of generosity in front of us. If we're ever tempted to withdraw, to become a bit more insular, if things are feeling tight with the cost of living going up, we just always remind ourselves that, we want a large, expansive world. We don't want to have mm. a tiny little world where we get to keep it all to ourselves. And um, another plug for Sunday morning, if uh, you haven't listened to um, Matt's sermon, it was really fantastic. And just mm. picking up on something he said there is uh, if you are not sharing your resources, mm. you, you know, it's it's actually kind of destructive to yourself. You mm. become like mm. this reservo- reservoir where there's not life, things stagnate and things rot um, mm. if you're keeping it all to yourself. So we try to constantly remind ourselves that our our world, we want it to keep getting larger and not smaller and smaller. Mm. So mm, That's good. Uh, something we discussed uh, in preparation for today, Beck, was um, a concept around economic abuse love for you to share a bit, bit more about that. Um, tell us about what it is and, um, yeah. Yeah, sure. It's not, not a very well-known form of abuse. It's a, a form of domestic abuse and it doesn't really get talked about a lot. So I just thought it was worth mentioning. I'm by no means am I an expert and I would encourage um, people to do their research and um, look online at the various resources that are out there. But, but basically, it's a really... Uh, subtle form of domestic abuse where one partner exerts control over the other by limiting access to um, bank accounts and to things that money can buy. So maybe um, 
limiting access to transport or um, housing options. And so it's all aimed at um, being in control and having one partner really dependent on the other partner and unable to um, live independently or make choices independently. And so I just think it's worth putting out there that if uh, if you think you might be experiencing that or you know somebody who is in that situation, um, have a conversation about it. And mm. if you're in a situation where you feel like you're the partner who doesn't know about money, I'm not very good with money so I just let my partner handle all of that, but you don't, you don't have any idea where your money goes and you don't have any idea how much things cost because you've just literally handed it over, I would encourage you to um, get educated in that space. You don't have to be the one to do the things, but you should be one who understands where your money's going mm. and have access to it if you uh, want and, and need it. And nobody should have the right to um, withhold money from you in that sense. So I just wanted to, yeah, I guess take a, take a moment to talk about that because as I said it's just it, we, we know about lots of forms of abuse but economic abuse kind of flies under the radar a mm. bit mm. yeah that's good. good thanks for sharing mm. so uh, like as we wrap up um, this conversation I just wanted to touch on one more thing and that's um online scams so online scams are on the rise as um as you probably know and um a lot of people have been um yeah, victim to being scammed online and give, given over money, given over their trust, um, had their money stolen, that sort of thing. What mm. um, what advice would you give um, for people who have had this this happen in learning to trust God again, to be, to learning to be generous and to tithe again, um, and to to trust others again? What what advice would you guys give in that space? Looking at you, you're looking I'm, at I'm, me. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to comment on it. <laughs> sure. uh, look, I suppose. A key thing there is to, I, th I think sometimes people make the mistake of pinning things on God when they're actually, they've got nothing directly to do with God. And ultimately God is a generous God. He wants mm -hmm. us to have good things. He, he, he will, he takes care of us and he is ultimately our provider. And mm -hmm. seeing him in that light, I think is a really powerful and important thing to do. Mm. I guess if you're, um, in a situation where um, maybe you have been scammed before, we've we've all we all have to learn from our experiences, bitter or otherwise, in our lives. And I would just say, I guess, just be really careful. I guess it kind of maybe it does have a little bit to do with that financial abuse piece too. It's just know where your money's going. If somebody's asking you for money, um, don't feel, don't feel f um, afraid to ask questions back. What are you doing with this? Where's it going? You know, you have a right to understand these things and not just mm. take somebody at their word necessarily. So I would say do your research and if you're ever uncertain, listen to that gut feel that something maybe isn't mm. quite right. And even um, even if everything's okay, it's good to check anyway, right? I had mm. a um, situation a couple of months ago where I got a text message from NAB and they said, you know, you've got um, – we, we've um, – detected some unusual activity click on this or whatever and I was like oh that doesn't that doesn't feel mm. right to do that and so I ended up 
just jumping on the phone and calling NAB and saying, hey, I got this text message, not sure if it's a scam, not sure what the deal is. Mm. It turned out it actually was legit. They actually were trying to stop a um, foreign transaction Mm. um, on my bank account and they'd caught it, thankfully. Um, But it was a legitimate transaction. But the guy on the line said to me, look, you did the right thing. You weren't sure. You jumped on the phone. Um, Mm. You asked questions and that's exactly what you should do. So I would say... Mm. Um, just yeah always ask questions and um, don't apologize for asking questions in that Mm. regard Mm. Mm. that's good yeah Yeah. any other any other thoughts um, comments things that you wanted to share today that you that you might want to to bring to the table now is there anything um, anything else that we haven't covered off today I just, I just, I just comment. We're talking about proverbs and verses and all of those sorts of things. Uh, one of my favourite uh, quotes is a Wesley quote where he said, "Earn all you can, save all you can." and give all you can. And I think a lot of people really do a good job potentially on those first two, but sometimes Mm. maybe not on that third one uh, in terms Mm. of giving all we can. Mm. I think if people were to have that as a core objective or a core thing that they focus on, on doing, I think the world would be a whole lot better place too. So I think that's a a worthwhile thing to point out. Mm. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I just I'd reiterate again, just don't play the comparison game because mm. it's not a game you'll ever win. Mm. That's good. Yeah. I mean the thing that really stuck out to me from, from Matt's sermon on Sunday is that money is a servant. Mm. Like that just that line has been kind of ingrained in my in my mind since he said it and it's I think it's so profound because we often feel like we're slaves to our money. Yeah. Um, mm. that we're just working to pay off bills and um, yeah I just think that's so important for us to remember that our money is not our own like mm. that's yeah. even though we are you know we're hard working and um, especially for most of us in, in this working class too like it's yeah we we are hard workers but our money is not our own mm. and we can't hold on to those things too tightly yeah mm. that's good yeah, well, I mean that that wraps up the um, the action points from Matt's message on on Sunday, which were to focus on the heart and don't fall for the comparison trap, and lastly to develop develop an approach to uh, to money management. Um, so yeah, I'd uh, my encouragement today would be um, what um, what's something you can do next? Like who can you talk to, um, and who can you learn from um, mm. to to develop this approach to money money management. Mm. so that's it for the uh, the podcast this series has just been for uh for, for just this we need to talk series so we've um yeah we've enjoyed uh, bringing you these three podcasts and going a bit deeper into um into these spaces of faith family mm-hmm. and finance so um i hope you enjoyed it if you um if you did enjoy it and want to reach out and you've got any other other questions or topics you'd love to hear stuff about uh feel free to reach out to us um at arts at discoverychurch.com.au and maybe we can get um, the gang back together and, um, <laughs> and chat about it around the table. Uh, so thanks, guys, for, for joining us today. Thanks, Dan. Uh, thanks for having us. Hasn't Dan done a great job moderating? Oh, He's so just good. been Thank amazing. You. So amazing well job, done, Dan. Dan. Thank you. And, um, <laughs> and don't forget um, that we've got the Personal Finances Health Check coming up on the 9th of October. So jump onto our website and register for that. Uh, you can do that at discoverychurch.com.au. Um, Tim and Beck will be sharing in that space. And um, and so that's on a Sunday, Sunday, October 9, straight after our 10 a.m. service. And that's going to be a great space to learn more. Uh, 
as always, like, subscribe, give us ratings um, and share these podcasts and videos where you can. And um, hashtag uh, we need to talk if you've um, if you are spending time with God and, and you're having a moment of um, of talking with God and you and you want to share that with with the world, please do it. It's an encouragement to us and it's an encouragement to to Good. others. So um, thanks for joining us today and we'll uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks for listening to We Need to Talk. If you would like to support the podcast, please consider leaving an honest review and star rating wherever you're listening. It only takes a few minutes and helps us get the message out to more people who need it.